Hello. My name is Veronica Ripley, creator of Isless. And I'm here to ask you to imagine. Imagine a world where humans tried to invade a land of intelligent, dangerous monsters. And failed. It's been a thousand years, and human beings have been relegated to the fringes of society, subjugated, and forced to endure generational oppression at the hands of terrifying creatures, tyrannical governments, and a world that was not meant for us. I'm here to ask you, rise. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Isless, Season 1. I'm very happy uh, to be here. Today, we're going to discuss Isless. We're going to meet the cast, uh, and we're going to talk to one of the writers of uh, the campaign here. Um, I'm very, very excited. We at Fable Scraps have been working diligently for over a year now to bring Isless to fruition. Uh, we have so much lore. <laughs> We have thousands of years worth of lore. We have uh, star charts and like bestiaries. We have custom dice. We have tons of stuff for you to sink your teeth into. So uh, we're gonna get into all of it today uh, in a first kind of introductory episode uh, to Islis. So welcome to Islis. Uh, hello, cast. Hi. <laughs> Uh, Hello. We're going to introduce the cast here. Let's start with Urban Bohemian. Uh, hi. Yes, it's me, uh, Urban Bohemian, uh, a.k.a. Brian, and uh, happy to be here. Done other RPG stuff, and Grimdark is new to me, so let's see where it goes. Awesome. Oh, one more thing, chat. If, uh, if somebody's voice doesn't sound as loud as it needs to, uh, I need to know in chat. So when somebody sounds good, I just need ones in chat. And if somebody sounds like they need some attention uh, from me, <laughs> then I need twos in chat, all right? So next up we have Domestic Dan. Hello, I'm Dan, Domestic Dan. I'm gonna be Leaf here. And yeah, I'm very excited for this really weird, interesting world. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, we're also joined today by Matroid Prime, one of the writers. Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm very excited to share what we've been creating with everybody, and I hope that everyone digs it, because I certainly did. <laughs> awesome. Cool. So um, we scoured the internet for uh, for people who we thought could really embody the show and really uh, really bring something interesting and, and fun to the role-playing experience of this. Writing a TTRPG and coming up with, with rules and, uh, and lore is really only part 
of the job here at, at, at Isthlis. We also endeavor to create a show, an interesting and pretty unique show. Uh, Fable Scraps has a long history of, uh, of doing some pretty interesting things visually. Uh, for our last show, Star Trek Adventures Loveless, we green screened the cast into a set. Uh, we'll be doing some of that here uh, on Isthlis as well for future episodes. Um, and to that end, I want to talk to our role players uh, about where you guys have been, like what uh, what you guys have done lately, what shows you've been on, what your kind of like style of role play is. Uh, we'll start with uh, with Urban Bohemian. Um, let's see. Recently, uh, most recently, I played in the My Little Pony RPG, which <laughs> oh my God. is a thing That's that exists. Awesome. It's using the essence system, and it's very faithful to the show and the IP, but it's a very robust system. It's not just playing ponies. Um, and before that, uh, I was a member of Rivals of Waterdeep. Uh, we recently wrapped after 15 seasons. I have also, like at conventions, played other systems. Um, I'm on a cyberpunk independence podcast um, that also closed recently, it wrapped recently. And I've just done a lot of one shots, I think mostly D and D, um, but other, other systems, I will always like hop in for a one shot because it's just fun. Um, I don't know. It's fun to do this stuff. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Cool. Uh, what about you, Dan? Well, I know the most recent thing I'm on right now happens to be with you as well. <laughs> That's right. Uh, on table story where I'm a lizard man uh in pathfinder but yeah i in terms of rpg stuff and tabletop specifically i'm i've been playing for so many years and i'm just kind of all over the place um i tend to stick to a lot of long form shows and plays because i get way too into character uh and just love diving into interpersonal relationships and more the RP than the like game mechanics, though I still love crunchy numbers. So <laughs> awesome! Yeah, uh, can I just say, by the way, that the show that I'm on with uh, with Domestic Dan um, is a Pathfinder show, and nobody knows as much about Pathfinder as Domestic Dan does. <laughs> we'll be in the middle. We'll be in the middle of the show, and we'll I'll just look over at the Discord, and the Discord just has just has like paragraphs reams of information about the exact thing that's going on this one specific rule and if you know anything about pathfinder it's like a very crunchy system sometimes there's just a lot to it so i'm just really good at google i'm actually i don't know pathfinder that well <laughs> it's outstanding um i forgot to ask urban bohemian where can we find you off stream uh, you can find me pretty much everywhere as Urban Bohemian on all the social medias, but mostly here on Twitch, uh, same handle, and I stream a few days a week, mostly on weekend mornings. Awesome. Okay, great. And uh, Domestic Dan, where can we find you off off Islas? I'm Domestic Dan everywhere. Uh, and yeah, I stream every day except Thursday, 2 p.m., outside of like, you know, show days where that always takes priority and then i usually stream afterward uh depending on how much makeup i have to take off <laughs> it does seem like a lot of makeup also in that show nobody wears as much makeup as <laughs> <sighs> it's i timed it's about an hour of makeup oh my gosh <laughs> dan plays a um dan plays a, a, a lizard character uh i forget what they're called in um, uh, i think they're just lizard folk lizard folk yeah well, okay. he plays a lizard folk, and the makeup looks outstanding, by the way. It looks very, Thank very you. good. <laughs> it just also looks very time-consuming. Yeah, it is. 
I can't. I can't do cool makeup because I sweat too much. <laughs> uh, you can't see the AC unit back here because it's been getting rough in the makeup. Oh wow! I bet. Yeah, it's that time of year. <laughs> and Matt, where can we find you off stream? The only real social media presence I have is uh, my Twitter account, which is my name, Metroid Prime. Uh, you can find me there, rarely tweeting, but paying attention to the RPG world. Nice. Perfect. All right, sweet. Well, um, I wanted to discuss uh, your kind of your history, where you've come from, like what you've uh, what you've done writing wise. Sure. Uh, in in terms of gaming, um, I've been running D and D and Pathfinder and Powered by the Apocalypse and Star Trek Adventures and all sorts of things out there for probably. 20 years now. I mean, some of them not for 20 years, because they haven't been around that long, but, you know. Uh, I have been writing campaigns in an unofficial capacity for friends and, and GMs out in the world for probably four or five years, but this is the first one that's ever wound up in front of a serious audience. Awesome. And uh, I just, as an aside, like some, as somebody who's read it, it's, uh, it's, it's outstanding stuff. Thank you. <laughs> I think you guys, the cast, are gonna be uh, are gonna be pretty impressed. <laughs> cool. All right, sweet. Well, um, I wanted to uh, really quickly talk about the Kickstarter. Uh, we recently launched uh, Islas One E on Kickstarter. Uh, it's very very cool. Uh, we spent a long time uh, coming up with uh, coming up with enough content to uh to really make an interesting kind of uh public push for a kickstarter and i think we have some really cool offerings um obviously we're going to release the core rule book at the end of the year um we're going to uh, release a physical version uh around this time next year uh all things if all things go well <laughs> And um, and we have some stretch goals too. What I really want to do is release uh, a custom set of dice. Given that Islas is a 3D6 system, I thought it would be really fun to uh, to utilize like a custom 3D6 dice system that looks really similar to the currency. The currency in Islas is something that's really fun. We'll talk about it later, but uh, we want to do currency tokens as well. Uh, so yeah, let's uh, let's bring a, get up a picture of the uh, the Kickstarter here. Here it is. Uh, there we go. This is a, a brand new setup for me, so if it's a little bit fumbly, I'm sorry. <laughs> there we are. This is the uh, the Islas Kickstarter. You can get the link in chat. Um, all you have to do is uh, exclamation point Kickstarter. Uh, we released this, what, 12 hours ago? And uh, we've already got, um, we're well on our way. We're past 10%. Uh, I'm very excited. Very cool stuff. <laughs> uh, as you can see, we have some excellent art here from Cowboy Punk. Uh, just an incredible artist. One of the most creative people I know. Uh, we have some silhouettes of some of the sentient creatures of Islas. Uh, if you act right now on the Kickstarter, you'll be able to acquire uh, a limited number of launch posters or, uh, or physical maps that are signed and numbered. Uh, this is that currency I was talking about. I think it would be really fun uh, to do dice in the style of the currency. We have uh, we have um, like 
artwork of these dice that we're going to use in the show, but uh, <laughs> I think it'd be neat to have physical ones. So those are the stretch goals. Um, big thanks to everybody who has supported the Kickstarter. Again, uh, exclamation point Kickstarter in chat for the link. And uh, yeah, we have 59 days to go and I'm uh, pretty optimistic. So thanks everybody. That's great. <laughs> Uh, another great thing that's happening today, uh, given that this is a, a big day for all of us, is the release of the Quick Play Guide. So one of the elements of Islis that we really, really tried very, very hard to, uh, to bring to fruition was the idea that uh, whilst the show is running, while we have you know, a, a live show on Twitch, we have, uh, we have a really unique opportunity to provide an example of play uh, of a brand new system uh, to people who might be out there and want to play the game themselves. So to that end, we're releasing for free the Quick Play Guide. Um, this is a heavily modified, really streamlined version uh, of like a player's guide. Uh, it's going to contain a little tiny little taste of some lore. It's going to have uh, a, a smattering of rules that are important for a small campaign written by Matt. And, uh, and it's going to have a little bit of artwork, too. So uh, this is going to be something that we're offering for free at fablescraps.com. Uh, all you have to do is sign up for the newsletter. If you haven't gotten the email yet, it's because it's the first day. Just give us, give us a little while. <laughs> um, but with the next newsletter, you guys will get uh, the Quick Play Guide. And um, you can also acquire the Quick Play Guide through the Kickstarter. Uh, I, I, there's an important note about it here. Uh, because... This smallest uh, tier here, the Gen Supporter, also allows you the opportunity to download the Quick Play Guide uh, and a, a Vector's character sheet. Uh, but because you can get these things for free, we're offering as well a special thanks in the end credits of the show and a spot in the special thanks section of the core rulebook. So... Don't feel like you have to give $5 just for the digital quick play guide. Those things are free on the website. Uh, this tier is mostly for getting a special thanks in the core rulebook. Cool. Cool. Really, really cool of everyone to, uh, to support that Kickstarter. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, all right. So I wanted to talk a little bit about your guys' characters. Um, <laughs> You don't have to divulge anything that you think would be like fun to keep a secret, but I would love to to meet your character just a little bit. So if you want to discuss like where your character's coming from or like what their maybe a little bit of their backstory, it would be great. Whatever you're willing to discuss, to divulge, you don't have to discuss it all. I don't know, like how much of like how much of like you know like the background and stuff can we talk about? Um, I. I'm playing, I think I'm playing more of a social character. I almost always do. I'm, I am not good with like martial characters and unlike Dan, I suck at math. So I don't, <laughs> have to figure out, I don't like figuring out damage. I don't do that. That's not good. Uh, <laughs> um, but my character, my character's name is Pawn and it is, it is drawn from like Pawn is in a chess pawn and they are a clerk in this world. Um, they are, they are basically the the humans that have been designed to, you know, they read, they write, they they take care of the clerical work, and I the way I've envisioned the character is like they are they are okay with their lot in life because it could be a lot worse, but because they work very closely with um, with our overlords, they're not 
like they're not well liked <laughs> as, <laughs> as anyone would be because they're like oh in that situation are you a collaborator or not and you know there's all i i love the way that the system has that we are almost made not to really trust each other even though the humans rely on each other there is this feel of like you do what you have to do to get by but yeah those tr- yeah, yeah. those bonds of trust really don't really don't happen <laughs> yeah absolutely that was a that was a thought we had from day one really of designing this world was we wanted we wanted there to be like a really overarching uh antagonist right like the 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 sentient species of islas are really the the big antagonist but Honestly, on, at a day-to-day level, like most of your friction and most of your conflict is going to come from other humans, <laughs> collaborators. So there's, uh, so there is built into the system actually uh, a a way to quantify trust among different populations, and uh, the sycophant role is uh, is a really fun one because it gets uh, it gets a. Is, is it the sycophant? It gets a um, a little debuff to uh, to interacting with humans. Yes, um, <laughs> like as as a given because you work with the sentient, yeah, yeah. Uh, like like people don't trust you, and I kind of found that interesting. Like worse because you're on both sides of it. There there's like an aspect of the humans don't trust you because of what you do, and then like the the insectoid overlords don't trust you because you're human. So you're kind of <laughs> caught in the middle of a bad situation. So. Like if, if if my character has no friends, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. I love that. A big component of Islas is uh, is teamwork. Um, our dice system is developed specifically for this. Um, the three D six system. If you look on a on a curve, like a distribution curve of of where those numbers end up, uh, you'll find that a three D six system is predominantly skewed towards the middle meaning more often than not you'll hit somewhere in like the 9 10 11 12 numbers uh which alone will not be enough to complete most tasks um there are obviously ways to influence this and uh built into the system uh is a is a a really fun way to uh to assist each other and help each other out and work together to solve problems which aren't necessarily all outright conflict given that some of the enemies in islis uh, are well beyond means uh, of of hurting them, <laughs> at least at first. So uh, so yeah, that's uh, that, uh, the the persuasion type character is going to come in uh, in clutch for I think a lot of reasons. <laughs> Domestic Dan, let's hear a little bit about your character. Yeah, so uh, I'm going the exact opposite. Uh, <laughs> Brian. Uh, like it really is. Uh, I I have Leaf, uh, who is a hound, which is basically kind of your idea of, like, they're not full, like, I'm big, gonna hit things, get all combat. They're more of, like, a, I almost kind of envision them as, like, a PI. Yeah. They, they yeah, look yeah, yeah. around, they, they track, but it's not, like, always, oh, I'm tracking this squirrel going through the woods. It's... It's more keeping an eye on what, like, what's going on around them. Probably looking out for people, like uh, Pawn. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe following them to figure out and like glean information. Uh, but specifically with uh, Leaf, I wanted him to be uh, a bit more. Well, Leaf, uh, we, we'll probably go. I, I'm sure Nicotine will go a little bit more into like 
more the the social dynamics of how humans are in this world but uh he, he grew up mostly in the trees uh he is a tapper so they just like you do a lot of work up in the leaves of everything hence his name uh it also means he's terrible at talking with people and in situ social situations i mean because you're just up in the trees there's no one around so you don't get to practice that uh so i'm i'm kind of excited i usually a lot of the time i tend to play a character that is a little more socially adept or can get through those situations um even if they're like not charismatic they're still competent enough uh i kind of wanted leaf to not be at all um, <laughs> and not be like abrasive because i mean the whole thing is like we're playing together being abrasive isn't usually very conductive for like a table setting but maybe not understanding social situations could be very interesting and fun where it's just i don't get them because i'm not around humans or the sentient species yeah uh at all so it's going to be kind of like, yeah, you you grab the person that has been living, raised by wolves, still can speak <laughs> the language fine and understands rough societal things. But it's just like, he go, you're in a city now. Like, I don't know. I grew up in the countryside, like out in the middle of the woods, literally. Uh, and now I live in Seattle. So uh, I'm oh, definitely perfect. not pulling off of my own. Uh, yeah, I, I was a well water kid. Uh, like <laughs> I couldn't see my neighbors because there was woods in between us. So. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm definitely not pulling from personal experience in the past. Uh. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, the uh, so part of the the character creation in Islis uh, revolves around uh, two components. There are backgrounds and orders. Orders are analogous to other systems like classes. Um, you can mix and match these two things to create uh, like a really unique character for you. Uh, Different backgrounds give you certain bonuses and, and debuffs, essentially. Um, and different roles are suited for different things. Given uh, Urban Bohemian is uh, playing a, uh, a a more social character and took the sycophant role, uh, the, the order of the sycophant, which is great. Uh, Domestic Dan chose a hound. The the hound was something that I'm actually really excited about. Um, I, I love the thought of... When we created the Hound, we wanted there to be a, a, a type of human role out there that is basically like uh, like a like a detective, like a tracker, like a um, like a like a PI. We thought it would be really fun if there were like human bounty hunters that were hired by Cassatt, and uh, and that role was born from that. And so uh, and so, there's a lot of methods. Uh, available to the hounds either early on or, or later on throughout uh, throughout the gameplay uh, arc, where uh, where the hound can take prisoners with like minimal damage, so you can you know disarm folks or like make them you know I I like to envision it as like hog tying them or like like throwing a bowl at them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a lasso. Yeah, yeah. You get to be physically disarming instead of socially disarming. Yeah, See, yeah, yeah. like that's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll hog tie them, and then you can talk to them. <laughs> I don't think they're going to want to talk after you hog tie. Well, some people might. Some they, might. You know, they, I don't like know. Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. The hound was a was a really fun character type. We uh, we we looked at a, a, a lot of different types of gameplay while we were creating the the uh, the orders um, when we 
created those orders. We we looked at what would be fun to play first, rather than trying to draw inspiration from other systems. We thought it would be we thought it would be really fun to like uh, as role players kind of think about like what the most fun thing to do as a role player would be. So that was kind of the impetus for like how we created uh, the 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 orders in Islas, and um, and they're really fun. They're really fun. So um, so yeah. Uh, I think next I want to talk a little bit about uh, the the history of Islas. Um, this is uh, just getting into the lore a little bit. Um, but before I do, uh, I just want to remind everybody that the Kickstarter is live. Uh, we have a, uh, a super cool Kickstarter going on right now. Uh, you can click on the link in chat. Exclamation point Kickstarter will get you the link. Uh, check the remind me box to, uh, to follow the project or consider backing it. Uh, we launched like 12 hours ago and already have like well over 10%. I'm super stoked. This is going to be great. Uh, you can get all kinds of cool things through the Kickstarter. There's uh, obviously the quick play guide and a special thank you. There's the digital core rulebook at the, at the end of the year. Uh, we have physical rewards as well. There's uh, launch posters, maps of the, the region. And uh, the top tier is a, uh, is a signed and numbered um, uh, core, physical core rulebook, along with some dedicated signed posters. So, yeah, uh, I'm really excited. So check out the Kickstarter, exclamation point Kickstarter. Um, oh, yeah, I wanted to talk about the fact that, that Leaf is a hound, uh, as a tapper hound. So um, when we were creating backgrounds for Islis, we thought it would be really fun uh, to, come up with, um, to come up with some mundane sounding things that were actually not mundane at all. Uh, <laughs> So to that end, one of the backgrounds we created was the was the tapper, and they it's it's like a tapper in on Earth, right? You would tap a tree and get sap from it. Uh, but the trees in Islis are a little bit more dangerous. Uh, every tree in Islis is extremely hard. Uh, they're extremely sharp. It's easy to cut yourself on them. Um, there are uh, a lot of creatures that make their homes in trees. There are a lot of predators that roam the woods uh, that are just looking for humans <laughs> so being a tapper is uh is a is a pretty hardcore background as well so uh so we thought that um that having just some backgrounds that sounded kind of mundane but were actually pretty hardcore would be really fun so you'll uh you'll get to absorb all of this information with the isla's core rulebook uh and some of this information with the quick play guide so head over to the website sign up for the newsletter and uh, and get yourself a free copy of the uh, Quick Play Guide, or do so through the Kickstarter. One of the cool things about trees in Islis, I I I don't want to get off on like too much of a tangent here, but um, but we have a creature that makes its home in the trees uh, called a flute worm, and uh, it's called a flute worm because you'll be walking through the forest and start hearing like the like of a like like a bottle sound when you blow in like a like an empty bottle. Um, and there are creatures that eat these flute worms um, that you don't necessarily want to run into. They're uh, awful. <laughs> one of the uh, one of the uh, uh, one of the invasions of Islas uh, was obviously the invasion of of man, right? He, the human invasion of Islas about a thousand years ago. But when humans invade anywhere, we tend to bring with us uh, a lot of uh, other things. 
Um, in Islis, there's not a whole lot that can survive out in the wild, but humans brought rabbits, and rabbits are, uh, are uniquely suited to the world of Islis because they can outbreed being eaten. So there are... Uh, an inv- there's an invasive species that's not humans, and it's rabbits. So you'll you'll end up finding you'll end up finding bunnies in a lot of places. Isn't that fun? <laughs> so cute, so sweet. Yeah, we brought we brought an invasive. Instead of us being the invasive species, we ended up being prey, and our invasive species really thrived. That's, that's great. That's fantastic that's, that's, for us. That's very human, admittedly. <laughs> We made things worse for ourselves and maybe a little bit of the other things, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rabbits are an invasive species to uh, to Islis, which I thought was a really a really nice touch. Um, there's a component to Islis that is uh, that is something that we'll divulge a lot more in the uh, the core rulebook. But to give a really brief overview, there is a a type of element that's in a certain strata of Earth uh, of the ground. Um, it's called air crystal. An air crystal is uh, this type of element that vibrates at such a, such a fast frequency. It's able to meld flesh together or separate it. And the creatures that are exposed to this air crystal tend to change in unexpected ways. So the rabbits you'll encounter, having being like burrowing animals uh, over the course of the last thousand years, have begun to change. There are a wide variety of rabbits you'll encounter that aren't very cute at all. <laughs> so that's something that I thought was uh, was a really good touch. Um, yeah, I I don't we don't have we don't yet have like a pet system yet. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying, like, you know, I will lean fully into the grimdark sci-fi future of this, and therefore, instead of my pets needing to be cute, cuddly animals, they can be little horrifying monstrosities on four legs. I support this entirely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I mean, we'll, we'll have to, uh, we'll have to explore that a little bit in the system. <laughs> Um, the yeah, the Eldritch Horror version of Watership Down. That's right. Uh, if you're watching this on a uh, on YouTube or any other uh, website, or if you're listening to the podcast, uh, just know that this show happens live every Friday at uh, noon Pacific uh, on Twitch.tv/FableScraps. You can also find it uh, find the link to this show through the website at FableScraps.com. Um. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I, I, speaking of the system, uh, the 3D6 system that we mentioned is, uh, is really unique for a lot of reasons, but, um, but the, uh, the, the, one of the coolest components is that the, is that the character sheet is so, like, advanced. There's so many, like, elements to the character sheet that we thought it would be really fun to build out, a, like, a live working character sheet. Uh, that just lives online, um, and so to that end, we have uh, we have a really cool we have a really cool dice roller. Um, <laughs> I want to demonstrate the dice roller because I think it's great. Uh, we'll be able to roll uh, live, and you'll be able to see the results of the dice here. 
these dice are something we want to offer for uh, as a stretch goal on Kickstarter. So uh, head over to the Kickstarter if you want to someday see uh, physical versions of these dice. They're beautiful. Uh, Colt did an incredible job uh, designing the dice and also designing this this ridiculous uh, online dice roller. Just absolutely cool. <laughs> I've I've personally never seen anything like this. Uh, so I, I'm uh, I mean not built this way right like we've we've all seen like roll 20 and stuff but this is not anything like that <laughs> it's uh it's it feels scrappy it feels a little scrappy and i feel like that fits very well in the world of islis you know what i mean <laughs> a hand carved sort of thing like it's just really... made it out of random bone we found <laughs> yeah <laughs> like it really does feel like something that we would have that the humans would have being given no luxury no culture no anything that we would have basically started making ourselves <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely um <clears throat> is it uh is it all right if i share one of your character sheets yeah 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 yeah, yeah. i've got one of these up right now um one moment i just want to just making this sure that you know i didn't type like didn't save something like brian is smelly in my notes or something like that <laughs> oh, mine is all butts mine just says okay all, butts. all right that's probably <laughs> safe that's probably better that's than good. you You're fine. <laughs> i'm really proud of the 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 character sheet design for islis uh when we initially started developing the character sheet we came at it from an angle of uh of this is a dossier like we wanted a dossier that the cassat specifically would keep on human constituents right this is a this is a method of uh of data collection and surveillance on behalf of the cassat you know towards humans and it's called vectors because they see humans as like a little vector for disease uh it's also called vectors <laughs> They don't have like oh. the greatest opinion of you guys. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember you saying that. Oh god, I, I, that was definitely not mentioned. I thought it was yeah. for trouble or problems. Disease did not come up on the call. <laughs> <laughs> um. So the way that we design the character sheet is to is is, is going to be reminiscent of of a dossier that the Cassad have kept on humans. Um, this is an example of a, such a uh, of such a character sheet. You'll notice uh, on this live version we have uh, we have spaces for name, order, background, uh, current level. There's descriptions of characters. Uh, we have a little space for notes, but we also have vectors. Vectors are our uh, isless way of uh, determining your character's like stats, basically. Uh, we have vigor, endurance, cunning, temperament, observation, and reflex. Uh, additionally, we have uh, a really unique armor system. Uh, armor pieces are a it's essentially a pool of armor that you have uh you're allowed a lot of flexibility in islis and one of the ways that we're really flexible is by allowing players to just decide like what pieces of armor they're finding 
And each piece of armor counts towards your armor's score, basically. So you're allowed to roleplay it however you want, um, which is another little nugget from being a role player and thinking it would be really cool, you know, to have like a certain thing, but only being given by the DM like one other thing. You know what I mean? We have a really uh, robust stress system as well. Uh, stress in Islis is going to play a pretty big role. Um, the way that we handle stress is varied and vast. Some characters even rely on having a high stress level to, to, to succeed. <laughs> um, we have a huge list of substances, consumables, illnesses, parasites that uh, will affect stress. We also have methods of reducing it. Certain actions, certain uh, events can trigger more stress. Uh, at a certain level, it starts to reduce uh, your vectors. And at the maximum amount, you become unconscious. We have a huge list of uh, skills and proficiencies. These uh, stats are fed from your vectors. They also uh, will be kind of the, the one of the main methods for you to directly interact with the world. Uh, checks for things like persuasion to humans versus persuasion towards Kassat. Uh, and Tisk and Lacertians. We have uh, weapon skills like might, heavy weapons, light weapons, ranged weapons, that kind of thing. Uh, one really interesting like design element that we had with this list was that we, we really wanted players to be able to do actions that their characters might not uh, might not feel comfortable with. Um, so a character who is not trained in weapons, for instance, will still be allowed to wield one just at a cost. And that cost will either be stress or a much more difficult role. But you'll still be able to wield it, like, technically. You just might not be very good at it. And the risk of critically failing is much greater. And when you critically fail in S-List, something drastic happens. Um, you're allowed to pick exactly what it is. Uh, and it's sort of up to the DM discretion what it is. But uh, but think of critically failing in S-List as something character changing like character altering like you'll end up with a with a with like missing an eye or like a limb or something <laughs> like your cross your crossbow is gonna is gonna explode right <laughs> something to that effect um not to worry though because the world of islis is full of interesting prosthetics um one of the ways that humans interact with this world is through uh what essentially amounts to accessible design given that humans aren't really capable of like traversing a lot of areas in the plate land specifically, uh, things like climbing gear and special prosthetics uh, in order to like get around and move through this world is, uh, is, is pretty common, uh, especially among, uh, especially among the, the more refined humans out there, the more well-behaved humans. <laughs> what, are you, what are you saying? What are you... <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the level of technology of Islis is roughly analogous to like a steampunk world. So, uh, so the prosthetics and some of the weaponry and some of the um, some of the methods of injections, things like that, will be uh, will be powered through something we're calling effluvium cores. You'll be able to go to the steamworks in any major city and refill your your canisters, but um, but it is finite. So you'll have to you know you'll have to decide when and where to use it. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I I love this. This character sheet is uh, is it's got a lot going for it, and uh, and I'm really really proud of the way that it's turned out. We've also got um, 
We've also got space for, like we talked about, substances and consumables. Um, vitriols, we're calling poisons vitriols. Uh, elixirs, we have elixirs for health, things like that. Um, the components that you'll be able to use to craft things like this in Islis are, uh, are pretty wild, and it might take some... Uh, it might take some some effort to acquire some of them. <laughs> the uh, the exotic materials that you'll uh, end up using are sometimes extraordinarily toxic too, so you might incur some level of stress collecting them. We also have some pretty interesting illnesses and parasites. Uh, certain creatures in this list are like perfectly fine with parasites, uh, but some parasites are just uniquely suited. Uh, to affect humans in in awful ways. We have a huge list of parasites uh, and illnesses, and some of them, uh, well, mo all of them hurt you in some way, but some of them can, in a really roundabout way, help you out. Uh, there are certain illnesses and parasites that might make it easier for you to connect with other humans. There are certain illnesses and parasites that might cause you to sprout spines all over your body really uncomfortable, like, feather-like spines out of your skin and make it difficult for people to grab you. Yay? <laughs> I, uh, yay, I guess I want to say to that. I mean, pros and cons. You know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We've also got a variety of abilities that humans can choose when you make a character. Um, abilities are really fun. Uh, you gain some of them through leveling up. You also gain uh, some of them just to start. Uh, some of them you get from backgrounds like Gregarious here. Uh, fellow human is one, non-threatening, call-out codebreaker. All of these have, have uh, definitions in the core rulebook, and some of them may be available in the quick play guide. Uh, but yeah, we have tons of these abilities. Uh, it's, it's wild. We have an inventory system, carry weight, uh, armor pieces owned. This is your, you know, your scratch pad for all the stuff you're going to be carrying around. Uh, <laughs> we also have crafting supplies. There's a really robust crafting system in Islis, uh, as well as a bartering system that I think is really fun. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the items you'll find in Islis are things that have had to be co cobbled together. Right? Lots of stuff isn't necessarily like manufactured just for humans, you know? So I, I would venture to guess to say that like most of the things you'll interact with in your campaign will be things that humans have kind of just had to cobble together. Uh, the scrappy can-do attitude is, uh, is like kind of a really unique feature of, of hu the human, you know, the humans just in general. Uh, so we wanted to bring that to Islis in a, in a fun, like interactable way. How do you do, fellow humans? <laughs> uh, really quick, I want to give a big thank you to Urban Bohemian, Domestic Dan, and Matchwood Prime. Uh, we're going to just really quickly, I want to go around to uh, Urban Bohemian and, uh, and get your, uh, like, where people can find you and, uh, and last final words. We're going to break for an intermission really quickly. We're going to come right back uh, with Matchwood Prime and myself. We're going to talk uh, in depth about the history and lore of Islis, so don't go anywhere. Uh, Urban Bohemian, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me as Urban Bohemian. I love having the name right down there because I don't have to remember how to spell it. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm here on Twitch. I'll be streaming tomorrow, but I stream Saturdays, Sundays, and Tuesdays. And otherwise, you can catch me on whichever social media platform is the most viable right now, usually making a lot of posts about comic books, Murder, She Wrote, Disco, and Brunch. Oh, awesome. <laughs>
Domestic Dan. Sorry, just murder she wrote. That was that was nice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like I already follow you and enjoy that content. Uh, uh, yeah, so you can find me at Domestic Dan. Uh, also below me, which I didn't even realize was yeah directly below me. I just saw it there and didn't pay much attention to that. Uh, yep, two p.m. Pacific every day except Thursday, and then Mondays for Gatewalkers, which I'm also with Nicotine for that. Uh, that's all of our on table story, but uh, yeah, I'm so excited for this. It's just. If you like food content and everything else, uh, I apparently can cook in this game. Uh, since I have to live <laughs> on trees anyway, I need to be able to feed myself. So cook in and out of game. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's awesome. What a good little tie-in. Yeah, cooking is actually a big part of this game, given yeah. that you, you incur stress in so many fun and interesting ways that uh, eating food is going to be pretty important to keep your stress down. <laughs> Cool. Like real life. <laughs> uh, big thanks to Urban Bohemian Domestic Dan for being here. We have another third cast member uh, not here this week. Chelsea Bites uh, will be here next week for our, our first role play episode uh, of Islis. So uh, stay tuned. We're going to be right back. We're just taking a really quick intermission. And, uh, and yeah, uh, we'll see everybody in about five minutes. Uh, see if I can do this. <laughs> okay, we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Hold the, hold the phones here. <laughs> I had it. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Isless. Uh, my name is Veronica Ripley. I'm the creator of Isless, and uh, joining me today is uh, Matroid Prime. Matt is one of the authors, the sort of lead author of the campaigns uh, that are going to become in included with Isless and the the campaign for here for the show. So, hi, Matt. Hi. How are you? I'm nervous and excited to be here. Yeah. Uh, I'm used to my words being presented just sight unseen, so talking about them actively is, is a new thing for me, but I'm enjoying it. Oh, good. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to talk really quickly about the Kickstarter. Uh, I want to give a big thank you to everybody who has been uh, supportive of the Kickstarter. Uh, we launched like 13 hours ago, <clears throat> and uh, we're already like well over 10%, so uh, I'm very excited. Chat, if you want to get involved in the Kickstarter, it's really easy to do. Exclamation point Kickstarter will get you a link. You can also go to fablescraps.com and just click Kickstarter. Um, you can either check Remind Me here, this box uh, just below the green box, uh, or you can back the project if you uh, are really, really cool. There's uh, a ton of different reward tiers. Uh, you'll be able to get the quick play guide uh, in addition to uh, a special thank you spot in the core rulebook when it launches. Uh, there's some really cool artwork here. We're gonna we're gonna talk about the artwork in a minute. Um, but here at the Kickstarter, you can also get a limited number of signed and numbered maps and uh, and posters, launch posters. So uh, there are only 50 of these. There's 50 of the launch posters that are numbered and 50 of the uh, maps that are numbered. So uh, those are those are gonna go. <laughs> Be sure to get in quick. Um, we have a stretch goal for our, these really cool dice that are modeled after the currency in Islis, uh, which is something that we took a lot of pride in uh, when we created this currency. I'm very excited to discuss it. We're going to talk about it in a minute, but these are stretch goals. Uh, if the Kickstarter gets funded over what we're asking for, uh, then we're going to explore having these physically made. Um, so, yeah. Head over to the Kickstarter if you'd like to support it. Again, big thank you to everybody who has supported it so far. Click on Kickstarter in chat, uh, on the link in chat, or just go to fablescraps.com and click Kickstarter. 
cool. Um, I I think I kind of really want to talk um, about the lore really quickly, if that's okay. Let's do it. All right. <laughs> um, so a thousand years ago, uh, the humans, the, the human invasion of Islis took place, but uh, but it's not the start. It's not the beginning of the story. Um, the history of Islis takes place uh, in aeons. Aeons are the 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 overarching method of like a delineated space and time. Um, before the first aeon, not much is known. The ancient Is left only sparse records, but various tribes would become hives. The first Aeon saw the birth of the royal plate of Kassat and the first Kassat queen. Legend says it was in this Aeon that the greatest threat of the land, a predator called the Taika, was eradicated. The Tisk religion was laid out and codified officially, eventually leading to the first holy realm of Aedlis, the seat of the Tisk government and religion. Um, I want to talk about the Kassat and the Tisk really briefly. Uh, I have some images that we're going to go through. Um, because... I, it'd be it'd be criminal not to show these. They're beautiful. Uh, we're gonna take a look at this slideshow really quick. It's like a sneak sneak preview for the audience, but not the players. It's perfect. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. <laughs> this is uh, the currency. We talked about the currency a little bit. Um, this is uh, what it looks like in Islis. You'll notice that they're uh, they're they've got some really pretty geometric designs, along with a hole straight through the center of them, <clears throat> and they're different sizes. This is important because the Kassat are the ones who minted this currency, and the Kassat um, are uh, enchanted by uh, by intricate geometric designs. There's actually an item in game called a fascinator, which is a device that deploys out of a, a character's back and like it's like a almost like a helmet or like a hat around their head. Uh, that's just like really intricate geometric designs to like dazzle a Kassat. Um, but I love that it's called a fascinator because it's like a hat. <laughs> um, the currency in Islis is something that's heavily, uh, heavily regulated by the government. Uh, there's a hole straight through the center of these so that you can you can string a, a, a like a like a like a strip of fa uh, fabric or, or leather through them. That way you can uh, you can wear them on the outside of your body. All currency in the plate lands is uh, is to be worn visually at all times, so that uh, any checkpoint you may go through can easily see like how much currency you have on you. And the denominations are thus: there's a uh, they call them the gent or the black gent here. There's a uh, a saint, a silver saint, and a, a tau saint of a different type of metal here um for the kickstarter we want to uh we want to create like physical versions of these because i think they'd be really fun as tokens but um but yeah they are minted in the plate lands and humans mine for these uh for these precious metals and you have to wear them in wallets that are basically strings uh on your the outside of your person some characters will be able to uh, to have a, an easier time smuggling things so some characters you know <laughs> have that have that ability to, to to smuggle stuff and maybe it's a little easier for them to do so uh so yeah interesting stuff uh we have <clears throat> oops uh this is a bloat crab uh this is a creature that's going to come up pretty pretty quickly in the in the campaign uh it is in fact yeah 
horrible uh, cave dwelling crabs. Uh, what's the uh, what's the what's the inside of the blow crab mat? That's uh... have we have we discussed what's uh, what's in what's inside of it? Colt and I have d talked about options for when people <laughs> people kill them, but we haven't settled on anything yet. Um, the plan is is that because they're invertebrates or crustaceans, that's the word, because um, they're those things that have an exoskeleton. Uh, the plan is, you know, they're not they're not easy to take out, obviously, because they're these they're not quite horse sized and can and can crawl through, and can like dig through rock. And so they're not they're not something that a person would just walk up to and, you know, oh, well, I'm going to hunt this for dinner. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's there's a lot of stuff. Um, the 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 bloat crabs that the, the PCs are going to run into, one will be pregnant. That's that's that big yellow thing on its back is, oh, is an egg sac. Egg sacs. And so there's as long as you're cool with, you know, taking out a mom, there's there's potential <laughs> there's potential resources in it for them. Oh, OK. Interesting. Uh, one of the hallmarks of this campaign, by the way, is going to be moral dilemmas. Uh, I One of my favorite parts of Star Trek Adventures Loveless, which Fable Scraps, which we did uh, last year, was uh, when I was writing the episodes for that, uh, the thing I, I tried to do the most was introduce moral dilemmas. And um, and so I, I find it really fun to see like what the cast does with a moral dilemma, you know? So I, I love that element <clears throat> and Islis is going to have that in spades so that's a uh, that's going to be a fun a fun little a fun little element to the show we have a, a salt neck boar this is a a, a large uh boar uh maybe like the size of oh what would you say matt like the size of uh mm, i don't larger than an earth boar basically uh, but smaller than like a like a like the like a crocodile, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's about about good for length. It's a little taller than that because it's got actual legs. But yeah, 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 yeah. It's 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 very similar in in size to that to a full on crocodile. Yeah. These are pretty prevalent in the plate lands, uh, especially at higher elevations. They uh, they like to hide near streams and brooks, and uh, and and eat whatever they can come across. Sometimes that's yeah, roots and, and vegetables, and sometimes it's uh, corpses. So these guys are uh, nature's cleanup crew. <laughs> We've got a chanta bird. Um, these are fun. These are uh, these are really common in the uh, in the Rasmire. There's a there's a region in the Platelands called the Rasmire, which is like a it's like a temperate swamp. These guys are uh, really long and spindly, and they have some of the sharpest beaks. That the players can encounter in the wild, so they're really valuable for uh, for for crafting. They're also really pokey, so <laughs> it might be difficult to get your hands on. <laughs> yeah, as I recall, that beak is long, sharp, and used for stabbing. Yeah, so. it's expressly used for stabbing, and it's very, very good at it. So, which is why it's uh, <laughs> just why it's so um, so useful. And also, it's a weird like like snake bird yeah 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 i will say chanta birds are probably one of my favorites for how like creepy and alien islis is yeah the one of the big design philosophies we had with uh with islis was that um we didn't want to just bring 
we didn't want to bring a sense of normalcy and, and comfort to this world. Uh, this is a world that is not ma made for humans. So everything the players encounter can be familiar, but not in a earth way. Like it can be an equivalent to something, but it can't be, it can't be the same. Uh, so when we created uh, the creatures of Islas, we specifically sought out to create versions of them that maybe might seem familiar in small ways, but are absolutely anything but. <laughs> I, I know that early on we took a lot of, of, of inspiration from like real creatures that had really unique either defense mechanisms mm -hmm. or ways of protecting themselves. That's right. And, and took all of those things and were like, okay, well, how can we make this even worse? And then, <laughs> and then also make it even worse and targeted at humans. Because humans are the invasive species of Islis. All these things were supposed to be there. And now humans are there dealing with all of this stuff that isn't really built for them. And so a lot of the animals appeal to me uh, from a game master standpoint because they're, the encounters are not about combating them. They're about surviving them. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And that's another design philosophy we had with this list where um, where outright combat isn't discouraged, but it's sometimes, uh, most of the time, n maybe not the best way to go about solving a, a conflict. It's definitely an option, and it's a good one in some cases, but there's a lot of stuff in this game that if you try to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with it, it will, uh, it will turn you inside out and wear you for a hat, and that's not what we want anyone to do. <laughs> The uh, the philosophy behind that was that we really wanted humans to uh, we really wanted players as humans to feel vulnerable. Like we wanted humans to experience a sense of vulnerability. Like humans are capable of some incredible things in Islas, but uh, being an apex predator is not necessarily one of them. <laughs> so uh, so yeah, um, combat is absolutely a thing in Islas, and it is fast paced and it is dire. Uh, and there are always options to run away, most mostly, <laughs> uh, because surely there will be players who uh, who who find themselves, you know, in a situation that they didn't intend on. Uh, so yeah, the uh, combat's fun. Uh, we have a, a really robust combat system, and the three D six dice system it lends itself really well to fast-paced combat so those hours that you've spent at other game tables waiting for everybody to take their turn in combat that's not a thing in Islis. they happen really really quick and uh and really really brutally so <laughs> working together is a big component of this game uh you won't really be able to do a whole lot uh on your own as a human as a lowly human you can't really do a whole lot by yourself that's why teamwork is such a big deal and it's why we have introduced a system built into the dice system, built into vectors. There's a, uh, a way to engage with something we're calling synergy. Uh, it's a, a method that players can use to help each other out. Um, you can learn more about that in the core rulebook. The, uh, the next thing I want to talk about here is the, the, the map. The map of Jalazra. This is a beautiful map. Uh, Colt did the all the assets for it, just outstanding stuff. Uh, Colt also did an incredible job with the uh, <laughs> with the the font here. Absolutely outstanding. Um, but this is a map of where the players will be uh, exploring uh, if they choose to do so. There are uh, a ton of different biomes here uh, that are gonna gonna lead to like a really uh, dynamic gameplay 
Um, it's really flexible. One of the things we wanted with this list was to be just as flexible as possible because not everybody wants to run a game the exact same way. Like maybe players want to be, I want to play a little sneakier. Maybe players want to play, you know, a little bit more heavy hitting. Maybe players want to play like more persuasive characters. But aside from that aspect of it, maybe players also want to explore a more like frozen type of, of, uh, of expanse. Maybe they want to be more like in a swamp or like maybe they want to do more stories that are located in like rocky mountains uh, or woods. And so to that end, the, um, the star starting area, basically the plate lands, here uh, in Islis is uh, is varied uh, drastically sometimes. So we have here the capital city of Shazal. This is where the the queen sits uh, in her chambers deep below the, the 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 surface. Yeah, it's a beautiful colorblind friendly map. That's right. Uh, I I am a little colorblind, and when we developed the color palette, uh, Colt specifically chose colors that I could see, <laughs> which is why it ends up and it ends up looking gorgeous. So uh, so. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Accessible and beautiful. Yeah, that's that right. <laughs> the queen uh, sits in her chambers deep below uh, Shazal um, in a kind of a, a wooded, more lowland area with uh, with a lot of water and uh, quick access to farm farmland just outside in a you know in kind of a valley, a really fertile valley. Uh, one aspect of the Platelands of Jalazra is that it's it's the it's the dominion of the 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 royal plate of the Kassat. So the the monarchy controls everything here, and uh, the monarchy being you know the 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 queen, the royal the royal queen. Uh, in order to enact her will, the queen uh, had her uh, her workers create uh, massive spires uh, called queen songs. And um, these great spires uh, are dotted around the landscape here. You'll see some, the one here is uh, in Darkacre, there's one in Woodhold, in Lemeret, and so on. And these spires basically act as, uh, as high tension, um, high tension lines. Think of like a, think of like a, like when you were a kid and you got like a tin can or something and like strung a tin can between two spots, except the tin can is not a tin can. It's a, a, a monstrous spider, and the line is extremely high tensile and kills birds all the time. <laughs> Just slices them right in half. They call it the queen song because you can hear a high-pitched kind of, uh, kind of sound um, as you're walking under it. In fact, we have a, a, a region here called the, uh, the songwood because of that because there's a high-tension line that goes straight over it for the Queen song. It's, to, uh, to, to borrow a metaphor, they're like telegraphs for, yeah, for the Kassat. That's right, basically like telegraphs. Um, the Kassat government, uh, the, the royal plate, uh, operates them. So you can, be, you can rest assured that any communication over, the, uh, over the, uh, the Queen song is going to be monitored for good moral quality. <laughs> So uh, we have these lowlands here, these these lowland, uh, f like wooded forest areas and, and rivers. Uh, something that's kind of familiar and friendly to a lot of uh, players who've, who've maybe played other uh, other games. Um, we have uh, also we have some some really rocky mountainous regions too. We have uh, Saltneck Pass, which is full of saltneck boar. Uh, we have Cowards Pass here, which is uh, part of the lore for Islis is that there were some human rebellions after the. Um, 
after humans were were uh, subjugated, there were a few rebellions, and one of them uh, was uh, here in Arcadia Farms. Uh, Baldwin's Folly is the Baldwin was one of the uh, the human rebels who uh, who fell to to the Kassat, uh as they were retreating through Coward's Pass. Uh, his lieutenant Reed um, made a last stand here. When the human rebellion was was uh, was quashed, uh, the humans were forced to dig uh, a massive um, aqueduct from this lake here to uh, to Arcadia Farms to keep that uh, to keep that productive. There's uh, cities. Uh, all the the major cities of Islis are the ones mostly connected uh, with these uh, this Queen Song, the the Great Spires. And all the cities have a have a really distinct feel, right? Shazal is the capital city, and therefore it's like the most uh, traditional Kassat city. There's spires, and it's really difficult for humans to get around. A lot of it is underground. Some of it is in, uh, you know, up, way up high. Uh, the Kassat are like a vertically-minded species, so they don't have the same limitations that humans do in terms of, like, getting around, right? Uh, Chazarud is a is a huge uh, industrial city. They have uh, they have the ability to wield you know like the the hydropower from both of these these rivers here, uh, and so they produce a ton of waste. There's a, another small human settlement called Spicewater to reflect that. <laughs> um, Tausha Bay is like the uh, is like the uh, the the relaxation city. It's like the tourist city for wealthy Kassat. They want to get away from the hustle and bustle of Shazal. They come to, to, they come to vacation in Tausha Bay. Uh, but some of the Kassat vacation activities are, are things that you, you might not necessarily want to attend as a human. <laughs> uh, we have Lemeret, which is a, uh, a research, uh, mo mostly like a research-focused town. There's a, a college here research facilities. Uh, a lot of weird things happen in Lemeret. Most of the brand new technologies that are created in the Platelands come from Lemeret, and, uh, and it's a huge source of knowledge for the region. So Lemeret is really important. We have uh, the city of Joan here. Uh, this is a, a, a logging and transportation city. So there's a, there's a, the, the, the river, river hands, the people who handle uh, floating logs through the rivers and navigating these these passageways uh, mostly come from Joan. Last Husk uh, is really fun. Last Husk is another major city in the the, the, the plate lands. Every, every single one of these cities is a different uh, is home to a different variety of Kassat. Um, the Kassat are not a monolith. There are lots of different types of Kassat out there. The royal plate uh, and like royal guards and stuff are home. Uh, use you know use Shazal as their home, but the rest of these cities, Chazarut, Lemeret, uh, Tausha Bay, Joan, Last Husk, like these cities, are uh, are home to different unique varieties of Kassat. Um, these are hives, swarms of Kassat that were that were similarly subjugated long before humans invaded Islis. Uh, by the royal plate, they're forced every year to uh, to provide a certain number of eggs as tribute to the royal plate in in uh, in exchange for like the the protection and the you know the the access to human labor and access to human uh, access to to humans <laughs> access to the uh, the queen song. 
So uh, you'll find a, a very different feel, not just in the type of city that you're going to, but also the, the variety of Kassat that you'll meet there. Uh, they, they're all pretty different. Uh, each one of these contains their own, you know, like their own sort of like minor queen, like a duchess, <laughs> uh, who's responsible for providing those eggs. Uh, Last Husk is really fun because the, the tisk, sorry, the Kassat that come from Last Husk are, uh, this is a, a region that's uh, elevated quite a bit. Um, it's like halfway up this mountain range, the Dursta Mountains. Um, so it's a little bit colder, and they aren't quite as fast, but they're beefy. Like, they're huge, big, beefy Kassat. They're hairy. Um, and in the lore, uh, a few hundred years ago, the Kassat used to, or a, a, a few hundred years before the, the invasion of Islis by man, the Kassat used to go through... Um, through the Dursta Mountain Pass up here into the Tarkatlas Forest and conduct uh, raids on the Tisk and bring Tisk back and uh, and have just like a like a like a supply of uh, of food for a while, you know. Uh, the Tisk are obviously kind of bitter about that. Uh, Last Husk is one of the places where they would store those bodies for later because it's a little colder and they can last for a little bit longer. So, Last Husk is really fun. Uh, this region is home to uh, a couple of different places. There's obviously, there's like a beach, beach side. We've got mountain ranges. We've got high, kind of elevated, more colder uh, mountain ranges up here. We have like rockier lowland mountain ranges down here. We've got like sand dune type of uh, region over here. We've also got the Razmire. The Razmire is a big feature of Islis, of, uh, of Jalazra, of the, the Platelands. Um, this is a massive swamp, uh, home to a huge amount of biodiversity and tons of really interesting and fun creatures that the players can interact with. Some of them uh, are really like valuable in terms of resources, and some of them are uh, extremely dangerous. Uh, so it's going to be really fun to see the players go through the Razmire for sure. Uh, what else? I, this is this is a, a map that has uh, taken a taken form over the course of like a year. We're still uh, going through and writing more lore for it, but um, but we have pages and pages and pages of lore for each one of these cities, histories, uh, and yeah, we're we're going to ship the core rulebook with uh, with little scenarios in each of them. So that's going to be really fun. Uh, the region is called Jalazra. It's uh, also known as the Platelands because the Royal Plate controls it. Yeah, large boys up here in Last Husk. Uh, can you tightrope on them? I, I assume you mean on the Queen, the queen song. Uh, no, if you tried, it would slice you entirely in half. They're high tensile, super thin, extremely sharp, and vibrate at such a high frequency uh, as to completely slice anything in half. Uh, you'll find just sliced in half birds under them uh, sometimes <laughs> who maybe forget and like can't, uh, <laughs> you know, forget that they can't land on them. But hey, food. But hey, uh, yeah, free food. <laughs> it's like roadkill. Exactly. Yeah. It's just, you know, already done for you and didn't involve a car. So, great. <laughs> Uh, off the map here, uh, to the north, you can find uh, a more uh, a more uh, a colder region, like the northern region. Kassat are um, are a type of arthropod, and they're the way that their blood system works is that they have this kind of like like um, uh, 
hydraulic system, basically, like an like an organic hydraulic system to to move their limbs. But the fluid inside of a cassat is uh, is really susceptible to freezing, so they can't really get further north without a uh, without a special elixir that they raise here in Arcadia Farms. There's a there's a type of crop here uh, that contributes to a you use it to create sorbahol. It's an elixir that uh, has a little bit of sugar alcohol in it, and it keeps the cassat blood from freezing when they go into uh, colder temperatures. So uh, farmlands are very important, and the human labor that supplies the uh, sorbahol is uh, very tightly regulated. To the south, we have uh, the southern plate lands. Uh, the cassat do claim dominion over the south, but uh, but the, the the actual level of control from the the royal plate is uh well contested there are three major factions in islis uh the Kassat are obviously the one we're talking about the most right now but uh there also exists the tisk and the lacertians um there's a, a a war going on down south uh it not necessarily a war it's, it's skirmishes really they don't want to have an all-out war, but... Uh, there are border disagreements There are the border south. disputes, that's right. There are border disputes with the Lacertians. And uh, humans are seen in the Platelands as being particularly bloodthirsty. So, um, so humans are often conscripted to fight in these wars, but humans aren't given, uh, aren't given any kind of renderings or pictures of the Lacertians before they go, because it's felt that they, if the humans saw what they looked like, they wouldn't want to go fight. So uh, we won't be offering images of the Lacertians before uh, before the core rulebook launches, <laughs> just to keep that mystery alive. Because <laughs> you're a human! What do you need to look at them for? Just go fight them! <laughs> they do, if they don't look human and they don't look Kassat, then you attack them. <laughs> Yeah, it's antifreeze and spider juice. That's right, Sorbohol. Do the arthropods keep their heart in their abdomen or their legs? We'll talk about the biology of a cassat in in game. This is a, a an image of a cassat with some uh, with some clothing on. Um, the cassat are extremely fond of geometric designs, uh, so we have uh, some really well designed uh, like intricate. Uh, clothing options here for them. There's also a lot of dangly, little uh, spindly threads. A lot of the threads that you'll find in the Platelands are extremely unique. The Cassat are some of the uh, create some of the finest, most exotic uh, filaments in the entire continent, uh, for obvious reasons. And uh, and so there's an, a whole industry of what what are called filamenteers, people who uh, who in one form or another, are tasked with crafting items with filaments. Uh, sometimes filaments are just there to look pretty, and sometimes filaments are there to literally uh, cut someone in half. So there are some really cool fabrics in Islis. We'll divulge a lot more uh, with the core rulebook, but rest assured, the Platelands are going to be home to some really interesting fabrics. Here's an image of the uh, the last husk, Cassat. Uh, uh, look, look at that furry spider. Look at look at how look at how cool that. Look, we've got like a hairstyle even. I adore I last husk. It's so good. Um, I love these guys. 
they're pretty amazing. I won't lie. We uh, we drew a lot of inspiration from uh, when we were designing uh, when we were designing like Cassat, uh, the different varieties of Cassat. We like we're trying to uh, to not necessarily draw from the physical aspects of real life spiders. Uh, we're really going for more of like their function and what they do best. And trying to see how Islis could make that a little bit better, you know what I mean? So we and looked also at, make it sentient. Yeah, and sentient. <laughs> so we, we when we were designing these, we're like, okay, well they have to they have to have fur on them, kind of like a tarantula, but they're also kind of they live underground a lot, so maybe they're more like trapdoor spiders. And uh, and so we ended up um, just coming up with this. Colt has done an outstanding job rendering these these insane designs <laughs> yeah they are they are incredible and they definitely are are very evocative of what we were after so colt just being like oh here spiders and we're yeah. like oh oh you read our mind great fantastic Col- yeah i i have that sensation all the time that cole can read my mind <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh some really beautiful clothing here some great uh, great clothes we've got uh another uh variety of cassette here with uh, a headdress Really interesting uh, type of cassant. I love, I love, by the way, the veil here. This is another example of the exotic uh, uh, fabrics and filaments in Islis. Some of them will be able to do some really interesting things uh, to maybe help the party, like uh, bending and refracting light. So that's going to be something really fun to discover as you play the game. Uh, oh, and this actually showcases a really interesting feature of the cassant. Their forelimbs uh, actually, are actually separated these are digits, so they have what amount to hands, uh, but they can hold them so close together that they can be basically just limbs, like their other limbs. I love these danglies, too. These are very, very good. <laughs> I, I love this one, but it also it, it is probably the most horrifying of the cassette that we have. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. looks like a black widow, unlike the rest of them, yeah. and so it's oh, just yeah, yeah. creepy. <laughs> Uh, here's an example of a of a human. This is a this is a uh, I want to say this is an expert it looks or a like scholar it. or a scholar. This might be a scholar. Uh, they, they do have books. They That's do a have good book. Sign. Yeah, they do have book. Uh, experts are more of like the tinkers. Uh, this is probably a scholar. This is a common style outfit. So you'll find a lot of people wearing these outfits in uh, in the Platelands. A lot of the, the 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 clothing and fashion in the Platelands is derived from the fact that. Uh, that the Kassat were really the ones, you know, in charge. So there's going to be a lot of uh, of reliance on like flowy kind of fabrics. A lot of um, a lot of like like a, a lesser reliance on buttons. There's going to be a lot more sashes and a lot more like fabric uh, to clothing here. Here is a uh, uh, this might be a sycophant, given that they're wearing like really nice clothing. I see some expensive uh, some expensive stuff. They got a cape here. Maybe they've a little got, bit of armor. This is probably a, a They've sycophant. got geometry on the tunic. I feel like they're very, very likely sycophants. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's Cassatt that's that's style right there. Yeah, 100%. This is something that would... This is Yeah, this is something that would be attractive to a Cassatt. They probably work in, in a, in a Cassatt uh, dwelling. <laughs> this is an <laughs> <Yes>. expert. <laughs> this... That person was probably a collaborator. Oh yeah, this person's hundred percent a collaborator. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, this is an expert. You can see here a great example of the wallet as well. This is it's just a string that you keep money on on the outside of your person, so that uh, so that the checkpoints can see you. 
This is another example of uh, prosthetics, too. There are a ton of prosthetics in Isthlis. Uh, this is a, a great example of one of them. It's really easy to lose a limb here. There's a lot of sharp things, so uh, prosthetics are also, pretty important. Also, a lot of the prosthetics in, in uh, are sort of, like, lent out by the Cassatt as to, like, augment workers. That's so, right. So, like, <laughs> trusted workers will be able to, like, replace their arm with, like, a drill if they're a miner. And so they can go and, like, do all that without having to have tools or anything like that. They just have to give up a hand. That's, no big deal. That's right. Uh, there's actually, as a design philosophy for Isthlis, uh, we, when we were creating these this this idea that we wanted a lot of prosthetics in Isthlis, uh, we specifically wanted the, uh, we specifically wanted humans to uh, be able to inhabit some of the aspects of, of qualities they might be lacking as mere humans, right? Given that humans aren't very, like, capable, you know, like, we, we have soft little hands and not very sharp teeth, and uh, and it's, we're pretty pretty weak compared to a lot of the creatures in Islis, so uh, prosthetics are one way that humans uh, find accessibility <laughs> to interact with this world, and, and sometimes in really compelling ways, like Matt was talking about, how certain workers are afforded uh, special augmentations. Sometimes Although forced once they to receive have those <laughs> Once they receive those augmentations, then they're assumed to be a collaborator from their friends and they're poorly, but you know. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh here's an example of a, a petty outfit you'll see a lot of uh, a lot of like smudges and dirt and holes and stuff this is probably a um prowler this is probably a prowler but yeah you'll see another example of like uh there's not really any buttons it's just like very oh, oh my god hang on uh, this is the image I'm talking about. Uh, you'll, you'll see, like, a lot of examples of, of clothing here just, like, without buttons or, like, that are very flowy, uh, because that's, that's just the style of clothing in the Platelands. There's, it's very, it's very fabric-oriented. <laughs> and what a, and what a Kassat need with buttons anyway? They got those weird little two fingers. Yeah, that's right. Of, humans, so. humans rely on clothes for warmth, but, uh, Kassat just, just have them to look pretty. Yeah, it's a status thing. It's a status thing. And it's sort of weird that humans get to have a status thing, but maybe that none of it's going to be as nice as the Kassad stuff. So right, and that's why there's like petty and common clothing. Like a lot of clothing in the game is based off of background. So like if you're just like a poor worker, you probably have petty clothes. But if you're a sycophant, you probably have sweet Kassad made clothes. And it it's all sort of to to highlight the the differences that is put in just by your existence. Yeah, that's right. Awesome. Uh, here's an image of all of them together. This is like a like a cell. We're calling the party in Islis a cell uh, to kind of be a little bit more reminiscent of like a you know like a some like a like a like a little band of ne'er do wells, <laughs> like a rebel cell, like a rebel cell. That's right. So uh, so this is a, a great example of a cell. Looks really well uh, diversified too. We have a sick of fan. We got an expert, uh, a scholar. We've got uh, a prowler, very very cool. Uh, here's uh, a great little close up of uh, Domestic Dan's character. <laughs> here's Chelsea Bites. Uh, we didn't get to see Chelsea Bites today, but uh, but Chelsea's character Pippet is a biologist. The biologist is something that's really fun. I'm I'm a little bummed we haven't talked about it yet. The biologist is a, 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 a the order of the biologist is a, a type of character class essentially in Islis. Um, that is uh, that is specialized 
in elixirs and vitriols and uh, chemicals, basically. Uh, they are afforded some level of uh, use with prosthetics in order to further this this uh, this biology class, right? There's uh, there's certain types of injectables and certain methods of uh, transferring these elixirs and vitriols that are really unique and really, really fun to the biologists. So um, biologists are, uh, are pretty easy to spot in Islis because you'll just look around for the people who look really sickly or have like a lot of liver spots because they're exposed to all of these extremely toxic chemicals all the time. And, um, and have developed an immunity, uh, essentially, to a lot of them. So biologists come with a little bit of uh, a little bit of immunity to poisons, just from by virtue of being a biologist and having a, yeah, like like an alchemist. That's right, like an alchemist. Uh, I don't want to talk too much about Pippet's specific background or anything because I want to let Chelsea uh, really release that. But uh, but yeah, I'm really excited. Pippet's great. There's Pawn. Uh, this is Urban Bohemian's character. A little close up. Beautiful, beautiful. Look at this. Look at this. Uh, this collar here too. Like the the outfit looks very very good. Ah, oh, the tisk. Finally, we get to talk about the tisk. Um, I love the tisk. Uh, the tisk are the only other dominant mammal species. Well, they're they're the dominant mammal species in in Islis. Uh, the tisk control a region known as the Tarkatlas Forest. It's a uh, a huge like mega forest in the center of the continent. And, uh, and given that they're mammals, they're extremely social and also highly religious, uh, extremely traditional, very religious, and have developed uh, uh, thousands of years worth of, uh, worth of religion. We also invented the calendar system. Uh, so there is a unique calendar system that actually functions, which is wild. <laughs> Um, so there's a, a, a real calendar system in the game, and uh, the Tisk were the ones uh, who invented it. They and yes, they are absolutely bat wolves. <laughs> yeah, bat wolves. Um, th they're really long, really spindly. Uh, if you've ever seen like a like a like a weasel out in the wild, um, imagine something kind of like that, like a like a massive carnivorous <laughs> obligate carnivore uh that's way bigger than you and they can fly a little bit there are a couple varieties of tisk um they're the most common one is the greater tisk this one here on the right they're a little too big to really fly very well so they can't really fly as uh as well as like the aerial tisk might these are pretty rare up here there's also a flightless tisk the um the the social strata of the tisk is pretty complex but essentially um, the way that Tisk mostly live is uh, is in is in trees and and tops of mountains and places that are really difficult to access if you don't have at least some use of your of your wings, <laughs> of your membrane. So uh, so flightless Tisk are are usually seen as like as like sub sub Tisk. They're the sad Tisk. Yeah, sad angry Tisk. The uh, the forest floor of the Tarkatlas is a really interesting place, and uh, that's where the the flightless tisk kind of uh, reigns supreme. Is down on the forest floor. Are we tasty to them? The tisk have uh, not just 
only recently outlawed human sacrifice. They also invented a lot of really interesting ways to prepare humans. Uh, a major part of the Tisk diet for the last thousand years has been human, so there's just a lot of recipes out there. <laughs> Uh, one of the one of the ways that the Tisk became so good at mass manufacturing uh, 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 devices, uh, apparatuses, was from a uh, it was from a, a project that the Tisk put into place like a hundred years after the humans invaded, where they they started distributing to more rural Tisk uh, perfectly sized. Uh, barbecues basically for uh for human captives so uh so the tisk use i love that no matter how horrifying it is <laughs> you can still find some of these uh some of these old-timey barbecues out there it's kind of like equivalent to i don't know if you've ever seen like one of those old-timey like wild west stoves where you put like coals on top to like heat the food you know it's like super inaccurate but it was like mass produced so it's you can still find them everywhere yeah, that's uh, it's kind of like that. The Tisk are also um, uh, not not only are they hyper religious and uh, and uh, hyper social, they also have a, a mind for technology. Uh, there's rumors of Tisk dirigibles out there in the Tarkatlas, and uh, and the Tisk suffered probably the greatest during the human invasion, given that their territory was the one that formed like the beachhead for humans uh, to invade. There was a cataclysmic event called uh, the Radiance that basically obliterated the northeast section of Islis. Uh, and to get close to the Radiance is uh, is to know madness. So even people, uh, humans or Tisk or any sentient creature that makes its way near to the, the boundary of the, the Radiance can feel like a psychic tug, like a pull. The Tisk believe that, uh, that you only feel this pull if you have sin, if you have sinned, uh, so none of the Tisk want to admit that they feel it. <laughs> How convenient. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, the place where the Radiance happened, that's... Uh, I'm not spoiling anything because I think it was in our intro. That's where the the humans landed, wasn't it? That's right. That's right. Yeah, the uh, Aedlis uh, was a, a massive settlement. It was a um, It was the seat of power... Or the Tisk, uh, the 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 capital of their religion. Um, when humans invaded, they uh, they took over Aedlis, sacked it, and uh, drove the Tisk back, um, burned it all. Uh, during the Radiance, uh, the entire northeast section of Islis was was obliterated, uh, and so the humans who were left uh, fighting wars further inland were stranded. And the Tisk had to come up with a new capital. So there is, you can in certain in a, in a, in, a, in a further uh, module, you'll be able to go to New Aidless. <laughs> Another feature of Tisk uh, of Tisk govern governance is that there is actually like how the Kassat have the royal plate. The Tisk uh, have a, uh, a, a a wide variety of small squabbling uh, religious kingdoms called the Holy Realms. And they sometimes will work together, but most of the time they are just locked in like perpetual fighting, sometimes really bloody fighting over religious differences. Um, so the uh, design philosophy that we had for, for the different factions was that we wanted 
players to uh, to rise against uh, a tyrannical government for the for the Kassad, and we wanted players to rise against a, 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 an oppressive th uh, theocracy for uh, for the for the Tisk. And uh, we're gonna do some really cool stuff with little assertions. I don't want to spoil anything because uh, you, you're just a lowly human. You don't need to know anything about the Lissertians. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, the Holy Realms are, uh, are a, a terrifying place. There are a lot of different uh, ways to die in the Holy Realms. There's also, uh, fun little fact, there's also a, a, human, uh, a human reserve. <laughs> just like a, like, a, like a cordoned off area of the Tarkatlas where the Tisk have allocated a certain amount of resources to just like propping up a tiny little human village so that they can uh so that they can skim off the top of the uh of the excess humans created there there is a uh a, a, a big event that happened about 30 years ago uh in contemporary islis where uh, the tisk outlawed human sacrifice so no longer can you can you outright sacrifice humans legally uh there are still a lot of tisk out there especially rural tisk who see no problem with uh with you know trying to try to please the gods a little bit you know maybe things weren't going their way maybe they stubbed their toe and and it's because the gods are angry that they didn't sacrifice enough humans so i mean it's they got that barbecue <laughs> And just because it's illegal for the tisk doesn't mean it's illegal for anyone else that's right that's right it's not fashionable. <laughs> the Kassat see it as not fashionable to eat the humans anymore because they, they, they like to think that they see their usefulness elsewhere. But uh, the, the Tisk are, uh, the tisk are, are <laughs> some of them are pretty divided about that. Yep, it's... Um... I, I appreciate that they they outlawed sacrifice, but really all that means is that the theory is in place, but in practice, plenty of humans die just not for sacrificial reasons. <laughs> yeah, totally. Aerial tisk here. Yeah, neat. Um, we talked about the first Aeon. Uh, the second Aeon saw the rise of a feudal system in the West. Uh, during uh, and the first great Tisk diaspora in the north, uh, this was when the Holy Realm started to fracture. Raids, territorial squabbles, and hunts are a staple of the Aeon, along with the discovery of a subterranean substance known as air crystal, capable of such strong vibration as to sear flesh and bond it together. Extremely rare, volatile, and dangerous information regarding air crystal is sparse at best. The third Aeon saw the failed invasion of Islas by man. Several bloody years of conquest ended in catastrophe as the northeastern side of the entire continent of Islas was corrupted in a horrible cataclysm of extraordinary proportions called the Radiance. Battered, broken, and blamed for the unholy destruction of the northeast shore, the human threat subsided and captives were integrated into the workforce across the continent. At first being sent into mines for various minerals, stones, and precious air crystal, Human subjects uncovered a dire threat, a type of living plague known only in legends as the Felnir. Corrupted and quickly spreading, the Kassat laid a brutal campaign of firebombing every human settlement suspected of incubating this fabled disease. These ruthless measures set off a series of human rebellions, culminating in yet another human defeat. 
The remaining human population still reeling from the Felnir plague and the bombing campaign accepted fate. Mega projects and major improvements to infrastructure marked the fourth aeon. This aeon saw the invention of underground sewers, massive aqueducts, and the construction of the first Queen Song, the beginning of the great spires of the plate. The Queen Song are a massive spire across a, a, a massive. Oh my God. <laughs> The, uh, the Queen Song are an interconnected series of high-tension, long-range communication filament strung between massive spires across the West, enabling virtually instant long-range communication. The Holy Realms of the Tisk likewise constructed vast megachurches in their region for their growing pantheon of gods. Contemporary Islis takes place in the fourth aeon, approximately 30 years after the abolition of human sacrifice by the Tisk. One of the one of the features of an aeon in uh, Islis is the ascension of a new queen. So you can think of like every aeon as like a new queen has come to power, and they live uh, for a few hundred years. Uh, if there is anything like a god in Islis, it's uh, it's this is like one example of a living god, basically massive, uh, long living, uh, <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> terrifying um so each aeon is basically like a new queen has ascended the throne um i i'm so sorry uh that we dropped out a little bit um my name is nicotine uh veronica ripley i am the creator of islis and i'm really happy that i got to spend uh today talking about islis with you um before I go, I want to remind everyone that the Kickstarter is live. Uh, we have a, uh, a Kickstarter for the core rulebook, uh, which is basically uh, mostly written. Um, we just want the ability to uh, produce a physical copy of it, along with some extra goodies. Um, and so to that end, uh, we're raising money for a print of this book. Uh, if you would like to, uh, to have... Uh, either the digital core rulebook or a physical core rulebook uh, and a bunch of other really neat stuff, then uh, head over to the Kickstarter. You can exclamation point Kickstarter and chat to get the link. Uh, you can also uh, find it at, on, on Kickstarter. <laughs> we have, uh, we, we just launched like tw uh, 14 hours ago and we're, uh, we're doing really well. So <laughs> you can follow the project. You can back it. Um, you can also uh, take a look at all of the reward tiers we have here and you can see some of the really pretty art that Colt did for the show um, and the book. It's, uh, it's outstanding. We want to do stretch goals too for the dice and for, um, and for like a, like physical currency tokens. It's going to be great. So check out the Kickstarter and be sure to follow here on Twitch uh, every Friday at noon Pacific. Um, we are going to be doing Isla season one next week will be our first like real role play session. So you'll get to see like an actual example of this game being played, uh, which is really cool. Uh, again, big thank you to uh, the cast for being here. Big thank you uh, to Matt, one of the, the writer for the campaign. And, uh, and big thank you to everyone out there for sponsoring the Kickstarter, for subscribing to the stream, and for uh, hanging out and being great. We'll see everybody again next week for Islis Season 1. Good night, everyone. Be sure to tune in every Friday at noon Pacific to twitch.tv slash fablescraps for live episodes of Islis Season 1. You can find our previous episodes on YouTube and on Switch, and you can find our podcast anywhere podcasts are listened to. 
We're live on Kickstarter, so head over there if you want to pick up some cool physical goodies, along with some really cool limited edition uh, numbered maps and posters and books. It's really exciting, so thank you. See you again next time.